0: We're talking about bakeries or granola bars who are manufactured or baked locally, but all, almost entirely the ingredients are grown elsewhere. But we sort of felt like there's something to local economies, supporting local jobs, and so the place of manufacture became an important thing.
1: Welcome to the HTW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakudis and Erica Huss founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We
2: bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness.
1: Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually
2: use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally.
1: And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey.
2: Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend.
1: Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well.
2: Um, I have something very topical to share. Oh my God, I'm so excited. What do you have? Okay, so, hi, Zoe. Hey, Erica. <laughs> um, I must tell you that we, so full disclosure, we're doing a remote recording on this bad boy. We're not in the same place. And the reason that I'm exposing that is because I'm it's actually... very obvi- obvious. <laughs> it's very obvious. But also because I am in the middle of blowing my own mind in the kitchen and I'm very excited to go back to it. Okay. I just just made... Okay, speaking of firsts, first time I have ever truly... First time I have purchased an eggplant with the intention of making something with it, and first time I have truly actually ever enjoyed eggplant. Oh, Uh, I know. Ready? I just made an eggplant-based vegan queso that is ridiculously yummy.
1: Okay. Uh, listen, I like. I'm gonna have to taste it. Eggplant might be my
2: least favorite. Mine too. I know. This is why I'm sharing this with you because I know how much you hate
1: the planet. it. Planet, not just because it's like the worst nightshade, but it just like tastes like nothing. I know. A, unless you just drench it in whatever kind of vehicle
2: seasoning sauce. Which is exactly it. what's happening. I mean, we're not yeah, exactly. making, we're not making queso for you know real health reasons, but it's it's actually kind of a nice like plant based queso that doesn't use six pounds of cashews, which is why I like it. There's no nuts in it at all. Okay. So, is it? Just, but is it like a pound of nutritional yeast? No, it's actually not that much. That's what was surprising to me as well. It's like a couple of te- teaspoons. Okay. Um, so anyway, point being, I feel like this is topical because it all comes down to like you don't always know what's in your food. <laughs> Yeah, I like how you're. I like it. I like
1: the segue. I like that you're a. You're making a a queso for eggplant.
2: Oh, nice one. I like that. Good pun. I am making a queso for eggplant.
1: We'll see if that holds up. And um, yes, we did get down to some uh, business with Ellie. Uh, We talked about Ellie Truesdale. Right, Ellie Truesdale. What's in your food? Where's it coming from? Who's making it? And you could be shocked to know that the vast majority of the food that you eat is coming from a third party manufacturer
2: <laughs> right uh, which yeah. when you say it like that it definitely sounds like it should be scary and the reality is for a lot of products out there it is kind of scary but that's why it was so refreshing to talk to Ellie she's the ceo of canopy foods i really like what ellie how ellie was describing them as a an evolved kind of co-packer which is an interesting way of thinking about it
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're raising the bar, which is great because, you know, this, that industry is very old and I dare say like, it's not really keeping up with um, the time. So it's good that she's, you know, she's a young person and she's coming in and looking at everything through sort of a healthier uh, lens. And if I'm eating a third party, you know, tomato sauce, I want it to be coming from Ellie's
2: Kitchen. Yes, I agree. I think it's it's something that I feel like it's really interesting for entrepreneurs to hear. Just you know, a kind of a, like a peek inside to what happens with you know the the vast majority of co-packers and how they're all different. And then I think also it's really interesting for someone, anybody who buys food in a package, which let's face it, is everybody at some point, to have a better understanding of what's going into actually putting that food into the package and on the shelf.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's. Face it, everybody. Annie's, you know, cheddar bunnies is not coming from Annie's kitchen.
2: No, Annie didn't make that. (laughs) She didn't make
1: that. that. And Mary's gone crackers. No, Mary's not making it either. Who else? (laughs) Um, Brad. Brad. Brad's kale chips. He's not making it either at this point. No, Brad's not in his basement sweating it out. Okay, he's passed the baton. (laughs) He has scaled, and now he is sitting back
2: and enjoying the fruits of his labor. Which... Which. Good for him. Good for him. And if he's working with somebody like Canopy, then all the better. So the point is, just in case, so you don't have time to make all of your foods from scratch. Uh, full circle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let let's, uh, let's let Ellie take it away. Okay. Oh, God. Hey partner. Hey partner. You want to talk about our other partners? Wait, you have another partner other than me? There are a lot of partners in this relationship.
1: Listen, if you want to open it up and, you know, invite people into the circle and have multiple partners, i totally down,
2: <laughs> down. Well, whether you are thirsty or hungry or just need to relax, there is actually something for everybody on our partners page, which is at htwpodcast.com. hmm
1: hmm We got a lot of brands on there that we love and who are in return showing you some love with up to 25% off. When you use the discount codes under our, you
2: guessed it, partners Partners page. page. So we've got products like Cure Hydration, which is a hydration drink mix that is actually more hydrating than an IV drip and made with real ingredients. Crazy. Yeah. That is totally crazy.
1: And we've got Hungry Root, which is another amazing brand. Healthy, ready-to-eat convenience foods that are delivered straight to your door.
2: We both subscribe and are longtime users and lovers. And speaking of using, we've got Daily Habit, which is a CBD uh, coconut-based powder that you can put into your tea or your smoothie or your coffee or whatever you need to just chill the F out. Mm Mm-hmm which I think we all
1: often need to do. So again, please go to hwpodcast.com slash partners to check out all of the amazing brands that we love, many more than we just mentioned. And you'll get some amazing discounts along the way. Check it out, guys.
2: Welcome, Ellie Truesdell. Thank you. for having me. CEO of Canopy Foods. But as we already know, your resume runs... Much farther deeper <laughs> and wider than that, but that's your current post. Yes. Yep. Um, we're so happy to have you. Yeah. We've known yeah. you for a very long time. I know. It's like, fun
0: to be in this capacity seeing you guys. I
2: know. Thanks
1: for coming over. Yeah. To our, our to the attic. What do we want to call it? I don't we know. Need we just call want to be there. like Doug
0: Shepard.
1: attic. I think yeah. you
0: could come it's up with something. It's, like it's a great up here. It's like yes. a loft. <laughs>
1: <The> it's <laughs> like the top floor of my house. So
2: Penthouse Studios. That sounds a little douchey. That sounds bad. Yeah, that's not so nice. (laughs) Sounds like
0: boobs. Studio at the loft.
2: Oh,
1: I like that. Oh, that sounds... Okay, thanks for coming to the studio at the loft. (laughs) Um,
2: Take that though well. (laughs) Well, we want to hear so much from you because your position at Canopy is fascinating as has been your track in getting there. So maybe you can start off by giving us kind of the broad strokes on what Canopy does and then Sort of tell us how you got there, and we can kind of dive in and surface, and
0: yeah, yeah. Canopy is a good start. Like my to metaphor. Then like rewind. It. Go back down. Go take back a,
1: down.
2: Take a, a get deep some breath. oxygen.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, definitely can start can start there, and we'll we'll backtrack. So Canopy Foods is ultimately an involved co-packer, which for, I think your audience would know a little bit about who or what that is, but maybe not everyone. So, you know, most companies, you guys, I um, believe included, rely on a third party to make their food or beverage product. On your behalf, and in my many years at Whole Foods, which we'll get to, I sort of started to recognize that one of the biggest challenges for young food companies who are looking to grow and scale and try to preserve the integrity at scale, finding a lot of trouble with co-packers as they are today, which traditionally, seedy, old-school don't really even want to talk to you if you, if they can't run it at high volume super efficiently and probably by you know diluting it or, or taking some shortcuts and they're not interested in working with you. So Canopy is meant to be and building the infrastructure to sort of support modern day brands that want to be cleaner, better, more nutrient dense and um, not take any of those shortcuts, but really to retain that integrity at scale in the food manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. So we have a 50,000 square foot facility in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, little known spot. Um, I did
1: Google where it was because I was <laughs> cause I'm from Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. So I was like, is this by my mom? Because it's Eastern. Yeah. Is it, a couple hours from here. It's Three a hours. couple,
0: couple hours. It's two ish by car.
2: Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not too bad. I do go down there once or twice a week. So I'm I'm getting used to the commute, but it's about 45 minutes from Philadelphia and geographically great for trucking and for mm-hmm. just getting yeah. product where it needs to go. So that's that's part of the reason to be yeah, there. Yeah.
2: I think a lot of people maybe for starting out in the business who need to think about manufacturing their products don't necessarily associate, like you can have your headquarters wherever it is that you start, but it really makes no financial sense to actually manufacture your product in a city like New York or LA. Like you really need to yep. kind of extend the radius. Move out,
0: absolutely. And, and that, that was actually an interesting controversy at Whole Foods while I was there, just in terms of the local program. And you guys would have fallen under this with the local tags and where you would designate on a product where the company was based versus where it was made. Mm-hmm. And so the with some discussion and heated debate, it, it came in to be place of manufacture, which for a lot of brands meant they're manufactured in California, but they're based in New York. It just became this whole new thing. But yeah, so we, for the, all of those reasons, are manufacturing in, in Pennsylvania, and that's been good for all of our partners. So just on um, the the quick rundown in terms of what we actually do, do co-packing, meaning for branded partners. We do some private label Um, And we do some food service. So the idea too is not only certainly higher quality standards and continuing to develop products with that integrity is really key in terms of process, but also um, layering in some level of flexibility because so often you're walking into a co-packer and it's just so rigid where they only do one format that you have to pick it up this day. They're not able to do food service, smaller packs, and what you need for the retail shelf or your direct-to-consumer. And so as the industry has shifted into one that's more of an omni-channel world and where so many brands are starting to sell in and across all channels, we recognize there would be a real value or need to have multiple sort of services to that end. So not just making a retail pack that was going to sell at Whole Foods, but also was designed well for Direct to consumer, or for taking your sauce and moving it into food service. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a big leap for a lot of people. I don't think, you know, when you start off with your brand, whatever your formula is, say you're making, I don't know, nut butters or something, and you're like, I've got this down. This is my formula. I can batch it up from like whatever 10 jars to like 100 jars, jars pretty successfully, but now I need to make the next leap. Yeah. Then you go to a co-packer and they're like, "Mm, we don't have the machine to run that, you know, whatever you're using to contain it. You know, we only work with these ingredients. We're not certified for X, Y, and Z. So it's really, I think people are... uh, Shocked typically when they they make that leap from like either doing it in their house or in an incubator kitchen or whatever it is to going to a real co-packer. Yeah. Um, It's really hard to plug in. It's really hard to find them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we, and we've sort of learned that you can't be all things to all people, which is sort of the trouble. Like if we want to offer that flexibility, we want to offer what you're mentioning of um, various format sizes and um, working with certain ingredients or supply chains, but you, you do run into some, of course, you have to be limited by some. But what we are building out and where we think and hope that this can be really helpful is it's still just such a struggle to work with a co-packer at all based mm-hmm. on many of these people, as about to say guys. They're all guys. Let's just say uh, it. Let's just uh, paint, so, the
1: pi- let's paint the picture let's, accurately. Yes, I would old go man. out on a limb and say that yeah. 90% of co-packers are run by men who are probably over the age of 50. Yes, huh? and you have probably I, that would never a r- seen a very green good juice in their life. Data
0: point for right. me to have on hand. I I do not, but totally. It's it has to be in <laughs> in that realm. And so if you what we are looking to balance is we can sort of build a commercialization package for you as well. So you can come to us, we can formulate your products, we can work on R&D, we can think through strategy, do all of the stuff and and some of the work that I did at Whole Foods, which we can talk about in a little bit and you can leave our, it, but we might not be still the number one facility to make your product because ultimately everything is is pretty nuanced. And I mean, you guys, in terms of juice and what you guys were doing with nut milks and whatnot, it's like so specific. So yeah. we may not have every single one of those capabilities, but you can leave Canopy with sort of your playbook or your formulation, your commercialization, and some of the acumen to walk into a co-packer and know what you need to demand or ask for. it's So there's a little bit of this coaching element mm-hmm. as well, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which I just found in working with so many different young companies that yeah. um, that was a real need.
1: Well, we had, I mean, we had the luxury sort of not luxury of having a co-packer, right? So we didn't, we had to build out our own juice facility because ever, you know, no yeah. one knew what the hell we were doing, <laughs> including us. We were just First sort of, sort of discovering yeah. it as we went along, but now there's a whole industry of co-packers who will make press juice. But yep. at the time, we had to build out our own kitchens, buy our own equipment, yeah. buy our own bottling lines, like fill, you know, uh, basically figure it out ourselves. But it's funny, I can never imagine going to a co-packer in 2007, 2008 and saying like, here's what I want to make. Right. right. And um, are like, you oh, equipped yeah, totally to do that. this with me? <laughs> and have them just laugh me out the door. Yeah, um, like...
0: Nope. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Not even even, close.
1: even like the FDA would come in, you know, we were regulated by the like, Department of Agriculture, yeah. but they would come in and, and sort of try and figure out what we were doing. And yeah. they were just like, God, this looks so complicated. <laughs> We've never seen anything like it, but it's really clean. So I guess you guys passed. That's amazing. And yeah. was that, were you doing that in Long Island to start? We, yeah. So we had a kitchen, actually our first kitchen which was kind of makeshift, It was in Chelsea and it was a catering kitchen that oh, we kind wow. of like were just working around the ovens yeah. and like putting juicers on top of them. And then our first proper kitchen was in Long Island City. Okay. And yeah. it was like, you know, whatever, 10,000 square foot kitchen. Yeah. And um, we outfitted that. It, it, we converted it from a uh, mechanical garage. Oh, wow. And then, how sexy is that? <laughs> I mean, I remember <laughs> vividly going
2: to the walkthrough and having like, they had like the calendar with like the pinup girl in the office. Yeah, like, oh, I can see it now. This is going to be our clean yeah. living facility. This <laughs> is going
1: to be pristine. <laughs> and then, and then we built a second one in Long Island City and then we built a third fan, uh, facility in LA. in LA, in Culver City. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. In Hawthorne. Okay. So that we yeah. could, oh yeah, north of Culver. So we could ship yeah, equidistant to the yeah yeah
0: yep. That's so interesting. Well, and so we have benefited a ton from. We have a lot of people from the Haines Celestial facility that closed in Westchester, so we've gotten a lot of people who are familiar with your product and who worked on it a lot when when it was there. Um, nice, but yeah, it's it's a it's a funny world. Definitely. Well, okay. New territory. So let's get into it.
2: Like, how did you how did you <laughs> land there? Because it is. I mean, you are. I, I don't think it it needs to be, it it can't be overstated. Like you are one of the only women occupying this role in a very, very male-dominated or traditionally male-dominated space and obviously doing very new and evolved things, as you said. So like, how did you, how did you land here? And is this where you thought you were going? (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, two parts to the question. So I, end of 2017, I was at the time the global director of local brands and product innovation for Whole Foods and was still living in New York, but basically commuting down to Austin every other week and traveling all over
1: the country. So Austin is the headquarters of Whole Foods. Yes.
0: Yep. So spending a ton of time there and there was a lot happening within the company and within the organization, which I'd been with the company for nine years, my entire career and with everything um, shifting and sort of what I saw coming, just recognized that I was ready to, to move on. And I sort of felt like I'd Plateaued a little bit in terms of how much I was being challenged and just wasn't maybe contributing as much as I I would have liked. So it just for, for many reasons, it was sort of like okay, I think think it might be time for me to move on. And then <laughs> the acquisition happened. Uh-huh. So it was it was a, a new a few different things that sort of like led me to a point of feeling like I was ready to to do something new.
1: Yeah, we ha God, we're really lucky when we got in there. Yeah. The
2: timing was it's really truly it was cra- like at cra- that crazy. time
1: it was the equivalent to like. A book being, you know, propped up by Oprah and the book club. Sure, it's sort of it was that good of a part. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, totally. I mean, I I do. I think about because I think am I remembering that it was like a three day shelf life it when was. you guys first we were started. Doing, it was.
1: It was very illegal. No one knew. Yeah, we, we didn't know. Also, Whole Foods didn't know. True, no, yeah, it was knew. so new. But it they,
0: that was there was like an appetite for. We'll, we'll bring in anything if we think it's great and it's local and we love these entrepreneurs and want to support something. Yeah.
1: And just for the record, it was only illegal because it wasn't, because it was truly raw, right? It wasn't pasteurized, it wasn't heat pasteurized. Right. And, and right. whatever It was illegal because
2: it was not safe. It right. was just, it was just whatever regulation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely.
1: But yeah, they were an amazing partner for us. And I, I don't know that they would serve us in the same way today as they did then. If we yep. were to go to them and say, hey, we have a new brand, can you be our partner in launching it? I think it's just a totally different world with yeah Whole Foods and and just launching in general.
0: Absolutely. And I think I, I sort of look at it and it's there are reasons for that as well, because now think about how many people tried to follow in your footsteps right. and the number of brands on the shelf and the number of you know HPP juices that have since come on board so they're probably almost shouldn't be the same environment because of the level of saturation but on the other hand it is it was hard for me to just see that shift enough and probably the pendulum swinging a little bit too far in the direction of we're not willing to make exceptions for any of these small companies it w- it was hard for the global leadership team that was new coming from really different stores to understand or recognize why we would have made, you know, we had insurance exceptions. We waived workers' comp. We waived um, auto insurance. We would have net ten payment terms for for local vendors. All of which of course, it's complicated. Like it, it created so much complexity, mm-hmm. but it was the whole reason, it was very thoughtful and it's the reason that so many young brands had the chance to launch and then have an excellent partner in in that growth. But yeah, it's like, it's sort of a different time now and I saw that coming and was ready to hopefully use that, leverage that experience elsewhere and was just kind of ready for the next thing.
1: So how would you, I mean, I, I'm just interested given where you are now and your experience, like what do you think, is the right strategy for a category creator, right? So if someone is coming out now with something truly unique, what is the go-to-market strategy now? Because before it really was like Whole Foods is like your golden ticket. If yeah. you get in there, you're great. Um, You could build region by region slowly and controlled and yeah. slowly get picked up by everybody else. But now it's different. Amazon is different. Yeah. You know, people aren't really going to stores that much anymore.
0: Totally. Yeah, I, I say that a lot. Like There used to be just such a formula to follow, which... Helped me in my role because I was so lucky to see thousands of young brands, but that the ones that really were exceptional or that we wanted to bring in, it was like, okay, you have this this formula, this playbook to follow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. this blueprint to follow. Uh, And this is how it can work and how you can succeed now, both because… Whole Foods isn't necessarily the quote unquote incubator or the environment for that launch anymore, but also by nature of just, as far as I see it, like a glut of products, right? Like there's, there's so much that there is reason maybe for not that there were so many challenger brands coming out, you know, in eight, uh, 10 years ago that really were challenging. Like there wasn't an excellent condiment alternative to Kraft Heinz. There wasn't like... So there's right. there's some reason for the change there, but in terms of strategy now, I think, I mean, I still I sort of have to keep myself up to date on what what it is that brands should be doing because it is so different than like my time um, <laughs> at Whole Foods. But I think I think a lot of it is being really thoughtful and smart about how and where you launch and being because uh, I also think there was this wave of D to C. It's the only way to go. Right. Like just launch direct to consumer. You'll be the next Dollar Shave Club and you're done. And that certainly I don't think it's the case either. So I think a lot of it is trying to be thoughtful about how you launch in um, sort of channel chunks. And just now that everyone wants to be the place for, for food and young brands, I think it's being smart about for a while, I was just calling these alternative channels like the WeWorks of the world and Equinox and Lifestyle. And, and, and not that those weren't available before, but I think
2: people didn't think of them as retail destinations yeah. and, and brands certainly didn't think of them as viable channels before. Right.
0: And maybe didn't think about the fact if I launch in a really unique partnership with Equinox and have the right influencers or the right people around it who are going to talk it up, that is sort of my smart strategic marketing budget at play or ad budget at play before I go into retail because people are going to be going and they wanting it or asking for it. So we did start to see that really shift at the end of my time at Whole Foods of rather than we always, or not always, but being certainly like some of the first to have a product. um, Generally, you were going to Whole Foods to find something new. There was a little bit of a switch where people were starting to see things like Halo Top just had its rise on being amazingly adept at geo-targeted, you know, social and digital media where people would come into our stores and be like, where's your Halo Top? And it just required the Whole Foods buyers to get it you know on every shelf cuz it because right. people buy so much of it it has to yeah. take up a whole freezer. Door. So I think it's it's hard. It's like it's not as it feels a lot less simple yeah. than it was and not to say it it was never simple right. to to grow a food and beverage brand is just really takes so much grit, I think. Well, but it
2: almost sounds like where it's not, you know, simple anymore or as straightforward and formulaic, now there are kind of a lot of different ways and different options. So the, the playing field has just gotten broader if yeah. it's not necessarily as level as it once was. There are so many different ways that you can go about it. Yeah. But I mean, do you think that Whole Foods is still kind of it represents what it once did, which is like, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Or is it now more, is it like a Thrive Market or an Amazon or?
0: Yeah. Um, I think it almost feels different region to region from, from what I understand and in talking with people who I've worked with forever that some regions are still so committed to and want to continue to be the people bringing in young local emerging brands and have that be their calling card in the region. And some are just really playing by the rules (laughs) and only deferring to sort of what the global team is, uh, is directing. So there's a little bit of that, but I think now it's also just the fact that food is everywhere and sort of, I find the irony of it all is there's so much more capital now, but maybe less room to play, you know, like Mm. there's, a ton of investment continues to pour into food but now so many brands already available that you just, i don't know i just wonder when the sort of market share starts to yeah there
2: has to be <laughs> to a tipping cinch point a little bit yeah. yeah so things are going well at canopy <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's been like such a an amazing year of learning like truly because of course I'm not the manufacturing expert by any means we have an incredible team we have 80 people in the facility and re- a lot of tenured people from Hain from Kraft um, from a lot of old school so funny yeah it is and it's funny it's funny <coughs> too, a small world everybody deserves a second life right? yeah it's fun yeah they're it's just fun for. I mean you I don't know if you guys worked with Emma at Hain but we it's like just so funny how many people we have uh, crossover with who work who worked work work with Emma so at Fresh
2: at oh, yeah. before she even got to Hain <laughs>
0: That's so. right. That's right. So what's up, Emma? I know that. Yeah, <laughs> Emma. Um, so there, it is. It's fun. There's a lot of uh, of people who have had some crossover, and so we have we have a great team down there, and I've um, been lucky to just learn a ton from them, and then you know hopefully move it all in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I mean, you spoke earlier about how Canopy is really kind of this evolved co-packer, which I think is. Really interesting and really important because, again, as we were saying, uh, certainly the average consumer doesn't really consider the co-packer and where the food is being made. But I think also, you know, brands that are entering the space now don't necessarily know how to differentiate between who is a old school co-packer and who is evolved, except If, you know, a co-packer says to them, like, we literally can't take your business because you're too small, you're too this, too too that. So what are you guys doing to really kind of like assert that position of, you know, the leader as of of the of, of the evolved manufacturer and I mean, are others following suit or are you really sitting in a class by yourself?
0: Yeah, it's it's so funny. We find that if you're talking to an entrepreneur or a young food company, or in many cases someone who's just switched to food from, let's say, another industry, who's never Talk to a single or They just don't really have a sense of what they're up against. That actually is a little bit tricky for us because it's maybe not understood that we are offering a lot.
1: You're outside. like no 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 <laughs> like, no
0: no, no, no. You're not You don't know how
1: else. good you have <laughs> right. it it's it's by coming unicorn. to us. Yeah. yeah,
0: and and I think um so. It, it's a couple of different things. It's um, trying to offer. A variety of packages and services where you we might not be the place for you to long term make your product because we don't quite have the piece of equipment or the machinery or the lug lid that you need. You know, there's so much just complexity <laughs> and detail lid. to to what what goes into making a product. But you might really benefit from working with us based on sort of our network in the industry. The strategic um, insights will give you the. R&D and commercialization experience that then you can walk away with and feel comfortable on the food safety side and all of those components. So I think there's that that we're offering. We also, we have we take on a lot in terms of we're doing a lot right now in the plant-based alternatives space. And it's been a very heavy lift in getting, getting there on the R&D side. I mean, just trial after trial after trial.
1: Just to be certified to... Manufacture these types of foods, well, or more
0: so, just in using things like pea proteins and oh, other okay. um, ingredients like that, and getting the textures right. Because mm-hmm. so so much of I think what's on the market now, it's it's getting so much better, but hasn't quite mimicked meat. Well, and with the exception of some of the cell based cultured meats that, you know, not everyone is
1: excited about. And so, cricket pudding is not as easy as (laughs) it
0: sounds. Yeah. It's much harder than you'd think. Yeah. So, I think that uh, there is a level of we like literally just labor hours and time and attention. And um, so, it's, it's like a customer experience thing. And one, you know, somewhat analogy we'll use is when I try to explain to, Either like my family or people who don't live in the city, what Sweetgreen is? I'm like, it's an amazing <laughs> salad chain, and there's sort of yeah, like, I can what? See like, <laughs> <just> like, really <laughs> I don't get it? Is yeah. It, how is it like different how, than Hale and Marty? Right, right. Like, why? Why would it's like, oh, I, like it's it's everything. It's like they source ingredients locally and regionally. It's all, you know, no added sugar. It's everything's made in house. The customer the experience customer is amazing, experience. and you you can't always. It's a little bit harder to quantify uh and it's it's just like a lot of qualitative aspects. Um so I think we have on the sourcing side we have a lot of amazing relationships. We um have this guy who works for us, Michael Zacco, who's with US Foods and Cisco for 40 plus years. He's amazing. He he's just very funny. He jokes So he's that like hundred and seven. Yeah, he's um his favorite joke is that he's Robert De Niro and I man Hathaway in the intern because he shows up <laughs> every day. He's like this hilarious um older <coughs> oh, Italian American guy who shows up in a most days to the, like the factory floor, uh-huh. and he is the absolute best. And he's got amazing contacts. I mean, literally all over the world in terms of sourcing. So. We source uh, and are contracting upwards of 15 million pounds of San Marzano style tomatoes for next year, um, based on what we do in business around sauce. And he's he's our like guy. So if he's you are like, sauce sauce guy, yeah, I'm sauce really guy. get to the sauce. Yeah. Hey,
1: you want to talk shades?
0: You <laughs> <laughs> will. He definitely will. Um, so I think there's we sort of have this. We have this really interesting team that's come from a, a variety of places. We have um uh, we use this system called Red Zone, which is a continuous improvement software, but it's on the plant floor. So every day on my phone, I can, at any time, I can check to see how the, how production is going. Um, there's sensors on every single, uh, jar line and the, the meal room line to see like, are we, are we running at the speed that we should, or is there been an issue? So it's this, um, it's an app, it's, it's cloud-based and everyone on the floor has access to it. So any team member, any uh, shift supervisor is entering what's going on at any given time, and that's been—I uh, mean—amazing for us who who are not there every day, and it's also amazing for some of our partners who want to see like what's what's. Yeah, happening. so incredibly
1: high tech. Yeah, I just imagine like a Chernobyl event happening at the facility with just tomato sauce. Tomato sauce <laughs> everywhere.
2: <laughs> oh man, a literal mushroom cloud. <laughs> 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 um, that is fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that like? co-packers listening to this podcast because, you know, they all just subscribe and listen to <laughs> yeah. every episode. They're hanging out everywhere. Biggest, Our biggest, audience. biggest
1: audience. Are definitely. they
2: <laughs> like? Are they kind of being sort of challenged to raise their game or is there space for everybody to kind of co-habitate in this new ecosystem or is it really? It's, uh, that's a good I question. I hope the former. I it, hope so too, I but hope so too. You, know, I hope you never it, know.
0: It's interesting what you said earlier about like the consumer just doesn't know about co-packers. So, Our eventual ideal goal would be to be a branded co-packer, so trusted, so respected that Sweet green as just an example, in in working with us, let's say, uses Canopy as you know the brand, or sweet Sweetgreen by Canopy, or oh, so even you, Whole Foods by Canopy, like right. like actually referencing the fact that we don't make our product; it's made by this trusted partner. Right. And because it's so with interesting, all I, of
2: our standards, right? Because
0: yeah. I look at ag and I look at this, and this has been for so many for fifteen years with Food Inc. and every. <laughs> Crazy, scary documentary, and uh, you know, investigative journalists going into agriculture and big food on the sort of that side. And I feel there's been very little to look at the actual processing and co-packing layer. That the like the curtain has not been pulled
1: back there. No. And how many? I don't know if you know the answer, but what percentage of our food is co-packed?
0: I oh man, what was I reading earlier? I well to guess. it's it's very, very high. I think yeah. it was something like fifty seven percent of America's calories come from ultra processed food. So that's not even, that's not even we co-packed. try to not be that's certainly co-packed. And it's it's um using refined oils, using refined sugars. It's like, it's sort of, it's even one step beyond sort of like we, we do try to mimic a little bit of the culinary process at home at scale, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's 57% of that's the which, US's calories are coming from. Which
1: means that, that the food compact is much higher than that. So yeah. It's probably like 75%. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, that's a lot of business that they're doing. Yeah. And so- i mean I, I think that this sort of generation coming up right now all of these entrepreneurs who are just doing things different yeah. right like we're looking Nobody at wants alternative, their grandma's al- we're sauces, looking at yeah. alternative foods and healthier ways to try to make everything more premium right yeah I hope that they're also you know their expectations are go beyond just food quality to like the actual relationships with the people who are making their food. Yeah. So I think a big thing that is missing in the code, you know, doesn't have to do so much with like the quality and all the shortcuts, which there are many, but like just the bedside manner. Yeah, just the relationships <laughs> that that you have to sort of these personalities that you have to deal with. I mean, it, it's in my experience, in my brief experience. It's been pretty harsh. Yeah, I have it's to not say, awesome. it is like going. It's like being stuck with a doctor who is like you know, coughing in his hands. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of like who has no. It's like well, there's no sense of like, like compassion or empathy well,
2: no, or being that's in the based trenches. On
0: demand and how limited your options are. Or that's how we see it. It's so many of these people. They just they have they run enormous amounts of you know prego or ragu. Let's say marinara sauce. And so anyone coming in that's asking them to take any line time away, like, you don't get to ask me a single question. You don't get to, like, it's just such a different sort of relationship where there's nothing about it that's collaborative or a partnership, like, absolutely. And so I think, Erica, your earlier question around is there, are we, like, creating some sort of new demand? I hope so. I mean, I think it will take a little while, but... The idea and what you're mentioning around premium is that you either have the incubator kitchen or you have this enormous leap to the massive um, right. co-packers who compete entirely on scale efficiency volume mm-hmm. and are very willing to, you know, just sort of degrade your product for the sake Do of, what well, they gotta, to. they got to use yeah. the same sugar that they already add to this and they've got to right. dilute it with water. And so- but meanwhile, consumers, buyers, everyone is asking for better products. So there's this huge gap in the middle. So for us, we will never be the most cost competitive, res- like resource. That's not really right. what we're looking to do because we're using fresh ingredients, we're using whole ingredients, and we're um, it's a high process, premium quality game. But that's really where the demand is, and I think it sometimes does take. Uh, a brand or someone going to a, a, a few other places, like I said, to realize, like, oh yeah, right. no, we we aren't finding this elsewhere, and we benefit when you know we recently took on a new partner who was working at and had just jumped f- from decently small scale to much higher. He was really, really unhappy with the experience and just how much his uh, product had become inferior. Like he, yeah. he was really unhappy and walked into our plant. He sees we use all fresh veg, fresh herbs and have longer cook times, all of these things that just don't happen elsewhere. And he like he was thrilled. And that's sort of, the, many of those things, um, I think is, is meant to be part of the experience that ultimately makes better products. But there's also something along the way in terms of, yeah, collaboration and yeah. partnership.
2: I love that idea that you were sharing earlier, just about that transparency, like that the consumer can kind of know if you see on the package that something is made, manufactured by, canopy, yeah. then that automatically, like it should instill that sense of like, you know, it's almost like the good housekeeping seal of approval. It's like, it's something that I think com- consumers probably more and more need to be trained to look for is like, it's not just whose brand you're buying and what what the product is and what's in the box or the jar or whatever, but it's actually who made it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's
0: definitely that, meant to be part of it or what we hope. Cause that yeah. really back to the sort of Whole Foods local tag, it, customers would be furious to find out that something was made in Rochester, New York, when they thought the company was local to Long Island. It it became a really big issue, which was always very interesting to me. And so I think if it, number one, Completely revealed that no one really knows how food is made. Right,
2: <laughs> they really don't.
0: Um, it's pretty, so confusing. Yeah, so confusing because yeah. how it's it's crazy to think that this company is based in New York City or Sagaponic, but they co- they manufacture their products
1: in California and then it comes back here. You know, and there yeah. are times when a co-packer is doing nothing more than assembling something. Yeah, right? that so too. This isn't even like oh, it, this was made in California or wherever. It's kind of like okay, well maybe this you know packet of X. Which is made of all of these other parts. Yeah, is that all of those ingredients <laughs> came from like you know all of these different states or yep. different countries, right. and then it just landed to this one space because that one space was licensed to handle all of those ingredients, yeah. and that's the only reason it was selected. So yep. it's kind of like it, it's it's confusing it's for the consumer. No totally, doubt. it's
0: yeah. so so nuanced, and that that was another thing we always debated is we're talking about bakeries or granola bars who are manufactured or baked locally. But all, almost entirely the ingredients are grown elsewhere. But we sort of felt like there's something to local economies, supporting local jobs. And so the place of ma- manufacture became an important thing. Whereas, you know, at the green market or, or farmer's market, there's a percentage of local wheat that has to go in. Right. You know, so it's, it's right. still, it's funny to think because it was such an issue for a while. And I, I almost feel like it's sort of out of people's. It doesn't feel to me like it's something that's debated as much. I mean, maybe that was just because it was so much of my life.
2: Turns to something else. Yeah, I just think it's people have moved
0: on to different. Yeah, they've just like really moved on to, um, you know, plant-based alternatives. Can we
2: talk about that for a second? Because you mentioned that before. I'm curious what your take is on where the plant-based movement is going, and you know, there's kind of like a good, bad, and ugly to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I wish I knew more about. Um, impossible and Memphis Meats and all, but it, the reason I feel like I don't is because it's highly scientific yeah. and highly engineered in a way that scares me just on sort of like a basic level and just very anecdotally, like I've eaten the Impossible Burger several, several times. And when I've eaten a full one, I just don't feel great. So <laughs>
2: it's um, it's a yeah, big, yeah.
0: yeah, but, but also sort of juries out for me there. I just don't, I'm not 100%. I, I've, I think just By nature of sort of the whole foods way and mantra, which is very much where my sort of health education came from, it is uh, such focus on actual whole foods and plants. And um, so that's the way that I prefer to eat and always feel when I'm sticking to that the most that I feel the best. Um, So we at Canopy have sort of we're excited about plant based alternatives in general, and we co pack for brands that are using pea protein or using soy and coconut bases. And we think there's value there. Some of them are really making incredible products in terms of sort of texture, flavor. Absolutely. On a sort of for us personally, we are much more excited about developing products that are with the whole food. So we're doing a lot with jackfruit, a lot with mushrooms, and not. Jackfruit
2: is magical. I love it. It's so valuable. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you guys have ever eaten it. Ja, ja, ja. The yes, ne- oh I my gosh. Love
2: that place. <laughs> no,
0: we are obsessed. <laughs> it's, I, so good. it's like the, the canopy lunch spot. Um, when we're in town in New York, it's so good, and they do—they have the Hearts of Palm. Kernitas. Why haven't you
2: taken me there, Erica? <laughs> uh, we haven't had occasion to go to East you Broadway lately. We will go. go. It's yes. amazing. Night. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's great for lunch yes, as well. It is very good um, for lunch. But they—they they just do a lot of really cool things with Palm um, Hearts of Palm Carnitas. They do a couple Jackfruit things. So that's what certainly like that's what drives me sort of personally and as a team we've all committed to that type of R&D for in-house products which could potentially go private label or food service and I would be excited about getting people on that but it's so funny because depending on who you talk to with almanac in my other role which we haven't talked about but for a fund that I advise there we've been looking at a couple of different you know CPG investments and looking across plant-based arena And a couple of the people I work with really feel like there's not, they're not getting from jackfruit what it is they want in a plant based alternative, which is protein. Yeah. So for me, that's not. My need, you know, I just want something that's really flavorful. I thought we all and had helpful. a protein
1: deficiency. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: so have, that. Has anyone, yes, ever people heard are of dropping anyone like flies yeah, right exactly. and left because of their
1: a protein deficiency. deficiency. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah just, it just feels like such a myth.
1: And just everyone stop.
0: <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, because enough Americans think that, there's like, there's we still we a do have to keep it in mind, you sure. know? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it is interesting. And just on the whole at large plant-based and I'm using air quotes movement. I mean, you can put plant-based in front of anything, totally. in, you, plant-based Doritos, like right. they're made from corn. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So that, that's, what's always a tough thing of how, you know, so many consumers and really smart, successful Conscientious people still are so sort of clueless about how they eat, what they eat. And not to say I'm an expert, but I just think that it's interesting where these things take on such a trend, take on at this point, like they become a movement and then it can get so quickly bastardized. Absolutely. In a way that's really. It just then falls into all of the other American bad habits of sure. I'm going to eat this plant-based Cheeto and I mean, it's good
2: for me. Like <laughs> right. fat vegan syndrome yeah. is real. It's yeah. like just because you're eating plant-based like burgers, fries, fries and shakes yeah. does not mean yeah. that you are living a healthy lifestyle and by any stretch. And right, this was what we saw with just
1: something as simple as the organic label coming up, right? right? It's like, oh, well, this tub of ice cream is organic. Right. I can't eat it all. Absolutely. It's it sort bag of the of Whole Foods effect is...
0: of I'm going to go to the Whole Foods bakery and right. get everything Whatever have I get the there is going to be Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's a nice sort of like legitimacy for, I don't know, a way for people to feel good about what they're eating. But on the other hand, there is a trap. Like there are, there's enough confusion with some of plant-based and even organic where I think people are, are truly like duped (laughs) into thinking that they are doing something good for themselves. And so, yeah, it is, it's a slippery slope, but sort of on a at-large Ethos level for Canopy, we're excited about whole foods, whole plants, and um, just making them more delicious and more convenient. Really, sure. have yeah. you
1: ever had a product or a, a potential client come to you and say, "I want to make X," and you just turn them down because you thought this is just not something I want to put into Flat-based the world? Crack. Yes,
0: <laughs> I, I mean that's sort of a lot of <laughs>
1: <Really>? <laughs> um, is it really you we, turned on a lot yeah wow. yeah oh man based we,
0: on, based on a, a lot i mean some of it we've we created these whole decision trees and uh, we've tried to make it so much more I don't know to have some actual like hardline process around like the size of the category the team like analyzing it as if we're a VC or something but that so much of it it comes down to and this is just helpful cuz I did that for 10 years of just reviewing thousands of products of just being like it's not something that needs to like I I don't think that I really want that on the market the or I, yeah I, I like it's really sort of a values based decision of like I just I don't think that we really need to to be supporting, that that in the here. World. no, but You're that's like, great. I, think I love that you get to sit tacos. in that position,
2: right? <laughs> with your like magic wand that gets to decide like what goes into the marketplace based on your ethos, which obviously now we're hearing like uh, the utmost respect for your <laughs> perspective on this. So I feel like people should be thankful that you are kind of like leading this fray. Of, yeah, you know, well,
0: it is tough because you want <laughs> to.
2: I said chipmunk tacos, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that, just that sound sounds good. To.
2: They're paleo, <laughs> they're
0: <laughs> keto keto, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh man,
0: that is, and that's, I mean, it is, it's just so amazing um, seeing the number of products out there and what, what it is It's this is being led with. I mean, right now, I don't know if you guys are seeing how many balls are out there. Like
1: Jesus, everything in the ball. everyone stop with your damn energy it's balls? The same well, exactly we have a guess different what? Like, format we got, it sounds
2: right, gross. <laughs> we got bar fatigue. So people are like, oh, no bars, no balls. Yes, no, They're absolutely. Like, Poof.
0: It's
2: yes. a ball. <laughs> totally different than what it was before. It's and like,
0: it just, it happened. It's like also amazing to me, like truly how quickly these things happen. Like, overnight, I have five new people reaching out to me about balls. What is your theory
1: <laughs> on why balls became so. Popular? I,
0: I really don't know. Let's talk it's, balls. For it's a minute. A, yeah, really. I, I don't know if it's they think that people are going to want to talk about them because I, I feel like I don't. Um, <laughs> but. It's about I portion think it's control. A matter, yeah, I guess portion control is one thing, but more than anything, it's what new "quote unquote" innovative thing can I be doing? Right. But I mean, truly, if bar is a new. The, the ball is the new bar. It's the mm-hmm. same level in many cases, I think, of processing
2: and right. and binding it's, together. It's still not a meal. <laughs> right. And it should not be treated as such. Yeah. But it's a
1: protein-dense, superfood-packed <laughs> bite.
2: Oh, and it's a bite,
1: and oh, not
0: now, a And now almost all of them, like with collagen, with charcoal, everyone yeah. has their own function. Yeah, it's I don't know. Well, what what <laughs> ingredients,
2: what uh, speaking of charcoal and collagen and all that, what ingredients are you, let's keep it positive. <laughs> yeah. What ingredients or kind of um, new categories, areas are you excited about? Mm,
0: um, Jack- and I also
2: want to know what's in your fridge, by the way. So have a think <laughs> on that
0: one. All right. Good one. Um, jackfruit is definitely something yes. I love and I'm getting excited about. Um, I definitely tend to get more excited about an, a new plant or a new like grain or I like, I love produce, always have. I spent a little time volunteering on a, on a vegetable farm and worked in like a tiny produce store when I first graduated from college. So I've always had this love of esoteric produce. Um, (laughs) so I get excited about that, but in terms of, I guess, then how it can be incorporated, I do, I like, there's something that I like about just familiar, but elevated familiarity. So we just presented, uh, to a big potential partner, our jackfruit and they did give us the feedback that like from their market research, they're not, um, they're seeing that there's this need for added protein. So to me, if you can be smart about adding chickpeas or adding beans, great, but we're not adding pea protein to the sauce to probably make it taste gross. And to, you know, like I think, um, so I, I like get much more excited about the the whole thing I based on uh, my boyfriend's company I'm very into birch these days just because he is a beverage company and they do um, birch based waters and they do maple as well but birch is really my thing oh okay yeah and trying to think about what else I'm
2: what's the weirdest thing in your fridge right now We
0: just moved. So did do a major clean. I almost documented the clean out of my fridge because I literally, I mean, I held on to samples for far too long, although they all keep way longer than, than they're said to. And so many of them were like amazing condiments, but some, you know, weirder. I, let's see, what's the weirdest thing right now? A lot of it's pretty basic. Um, I have some like excellent. There's a, a brand called Zilli, like X I L L I that does amazing um salsa matcha and mole's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um I have that too. Yeah, love love that product. I'm trying to think about what's the weirdest. I'm like a little bit more of my seed and milk what do you always?
1: What do you always have in your fridge?
0: Always have, I think I someone had asked you guys these questions. I was like, oh nice. I like that. Yeah. I have some <laughs> of the same. Uh lemons for sure. Although i Generally keep them out of the fridge, but um, <laughs> yeah, lemons. I almost always have coconut yogurt these days. I am a nut butter fiend. I have yeah. a lot of nut butters. Oatmeal, fruit. Like uh, I eat a lot of fruit. Um, spinach, generally, and then I'm trying to think about condiments. Wise, sriracha, and yeah. I use like the real sriracha, not the not the clean sriracha, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, what else? I'm trying to think. We have Siggies in the fridge right now. I'm like sometimes. Uh, sometimes dairy does sort of affect me yeah. so I don't always eat it but Correct. it's delicious. But when you do. the picture
1: is that you have like cigarettes in your fridge <laughs> and, Like you have these cute little ciggies, ciggies? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, just <So>, little ciggies <laughs> Keep them fresh. Oh man. Don't ha- and and I am like a big fan of cold brew. I've been doing that for like 12 years, oh, I yes. have to say. So what, what's your I always cold brew brand? have I really like so tip, I love espresso made like um roasted espresso beans for cold brew. It's there. There's an especially excellent one. I agree at Whole Foods, with that. Really, um, the Minardi Espresso, which is named after Christina Minardi, who's now you guys probably met along the way. She was yeah, the yeah, regional Christina president Minardi. in the Northeast. She's now the COO at Whole Foods. Um, when we opened the Brooklyn store in Gowanus, oh. there are many, many a thing around the region named after Christina, which is so funny. That's hilarious. Um, and That's so one funny. of them is this roast, this espresso <laughs> from Allegro at the third and third store in Brooklyn. And it is so good as a cold brew. Um, so I try to do that, you know, every week.
1: What is your go-to ready to, ready to drink cold brew? do you ever do oh, a, like, a um, so
0: have to shout out Grady's Kyle my partner at Canopy is a Grady's co-founder and love them working with oh, them very okay. closely yeah, yeah so I, I love Grady's mm-hmm. I also love Rise um, I too yeah they are great and I love those guys they're um, also Connecticut natives so I've known them for a while where
2: do they well we could talk about that <laughs> way. Um, and then on the flip side do you have an indulgence akin to like Cheetos that's kind of like your closet like yes,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah, Cheetos <laughs> <Strip>. <laughs> Cheetos no I actually I almost wish I were more of a Healthy snack person. and I have such a sweet, sweet tooth. tooth. I really do, which I feel I'm like embarrassed to say because I like feel that people who are really into food and like are, like, should be considered like true food people don't ever have sweet totally. tooth. Totally. <laughs> um, but I. So you've got like oh, Twinkies gosh, in your I closet. Eat, I mean, I, I try to keep it out of. My actual house because oh, I totally. will eat it all. But, like, if but we're ice talking, cream for sure. Just um, up ice cream. I mean, any pastry, <laughs> any donuts. So you basically
1: just have like a shed
0: full of like, donuts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we oh, man. We make the most of a really delicious plant based. Very indulgent, uh like brownie batter and chickpea dough nice. uh, cookie dough, cookie dough yeah. at the plant, and there's not much to be said for healthy food options around Downingtown, so that ends up becoming like an afternoon just really disaster. It's very good. spoonable, and, yeah. But yeah, I do. I have a for sure sweet tooth. Um. I have
2: both. I don't know why you have to choose. <laughs> I, I know. love well, sweet and too. Oil, But I'm if savory. I were to out, like have never never have one again, it would be sweet. Like I'm totally savory. I like sweets, but if I could have yeah. had to choose one forever. Yeah, really and I, I would
0: probably have to choose sweets, which is like, okay. I, I'm, then I'm dead, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I die. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not choosing. Forget it. I'm, like, I don't have to. To. I'm just going for you both. You have to. I'm just going to hide everything in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep it out of the house. The shed. That's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> um, my she shed that's where I keep all my donuts
2: <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, well this is super image. fascinating and I feel like such useful information both for the consumer and the budding entrepreneur as well as the uh, attentive co-packer yeah
1: yes so for everyone who's making nut butter in your basement <laughs> um, listen up there's no and I know there are no
2: shortage of you yeah, yeah seriously just enough. <laughs> enough with the balls. I think yeah. is the takeaway here.
1: Yes, enough with the balls. Well, thank you so much, Ellie. This is good. Good, good talking. Stuff.
0: Yeah. Thank you, yeah, thank you guys. So fun. Um, awesome to be here.
2: Come back and let's go to yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. We've. Got, I can't believe we've been. I know. I'll I, take you next God. date. All
2: right. We'll go. I don't get out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com
1: for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.